There we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pixel Classroom Podcast, day two of IdeaCon here. So I am uh, working my way around here. i got volunteer hours here for day two. So I decided to step right into Sketchnote City. As you know, Sketchnotes are really pretty amazing in the classroom. You know, I do them for my Business Basics class as well as my other ones. But I decided to walk over one of the experts over here. So why don't you introduce yourself here to everybody? Hi, my name is Rachel Swanson, and I love to sketch note. So today we're here, I'm here with Data Leidenberger, and we are putting together a sketch note immersion room, which gives everybody a chance to walk around, visit different stations, and create all of the components of a passport to sketch note city. And I really like the setup here. You got your profile one. I wish this was like a vidcast. You can see it. We have the little area here where we start it. Then we kind of move over to the Playland area. We have to create a uh, the, a pet store here. We actually have to make a, a pet here. So we know I'd be making a guinea pig. I'm going to try to do one here really quick here. I have a little time here before I have to go. Um, so what is the full plan then going with the sketch notes forward here, Rachel? Yeah, so we do a couple of different things with Sketchnotes. Our goal today is to give people the experience building the different components of Sketchnoting, so working with fonts, working with organization of Sketchnotes, working with images and icons. And then Dana and I are working on an ebook that we're giving away for free of Sketchnotes in the classroom. And in that, we're giving lesson ideas how do you use Sketchnotes embedded academically with students. You know, it's funny you're talking about an ebook here, since we know uh, a certain book over next door here called My Pencil D- Did It with a certain uh, sketchnote uh, teacher herself. We will name names there, Carrie, here, because I know you're listening to this. So, um, what is what, what what can we expect to find in that ebook, e-book versus a little bit of like what we would find in My Pencil Made Me Do It here by uh, Carrie Buckham? Yeah, we love Carrie first of all. So, shout oh, out, yeah. shout out to love her. Uh, we love you, Carrie. Uh, obviously one of our sketchnote heroes for sure. Uh, in the book, we start out talking about an overview, what some basic tips and tricks about what's in a sketchnote, how can you sketchnote, and then we have, I think, seven different lessons. So you'll find really specific lesson plans for sketchnoting with examples and pictures from students of their work. And then you'll have a resource page with additional opportunities to learn a little bit more. So the goal with the book is it's it's a small book, but it's to get people started with sketchnotes if they haven't already been doing that in the classroom or give people new ideas with sketchnotes if they're already working with sketchnotes regularly with their students. And I think that's a good idea because m- many teachers want to do have their students do sketch notes, whether it's kindergarten through high school. I'm a high school teacher. But something that's always interesting is sometimes I don't really know where to go with the lesson plan. Sometimes it's just that first couple of weeks. Like I was just telling you here before we recorded, um, once my students finish their unit, we actually put them in a binder. And we organize like a professional business portfolio to get your thought processes. So that's what I do in business basics. But in my multimedia class, we have them sketch note and they make a how-to. Because as we know, when you see a person do something, how you interpret it and how you teach it, are completely different than that. I know, I mean, I've known Dana for a couple of years too, and Carrie, and I know we all do our sketch notes differently. I, I'm very good pen and paper, but I'm also good with an iPad. And what do you think about differentiating with sketch notes? Yeah, that's actually, I'm glad you brought that up because that is another component is working with diverse needs and learners within our classrooms. So there's a lot of ways that work to differentiate. One is that SketchNote is about combining images and, and words. So some students we have an image bank that they choose from. So we take icons from, usually noun project is what we use, and then 
the students, instead of drawing the image, they're selecting images and com incorporating those uh, into their sketch notes. Same thing with, you can do that very easily on a computer using Google Drawings or you know another, some sort of creative template. And um, that's one way that we differentiate. We also talk a lot about time, giving additional time or support, having templates already made. Organization tends to be one of the areas students struggle with the most. So giving pre-made graphic organizers where they know how to organize the sketch notes from the beginning can be really helpful if a student's paralyzed by a blank page. And I think that's great, great advice because I know I struggle with that too in the classroom. So it's great to get those like, you know, professional portfolios because we always talk about career ready or post high school or school ready. And I mean, one thing is we make all our own portfolios, whether it's keeping an art portfolio, a business portfolio, or know heaven forbid the bill portfolio but uh we all did but i i think that's a really great way to we need to look into that more of that career readiness i think it works good for sketch notes so anything else you want to share with us here rachel before uh, i go, go, go working on my passport here in the little time i have left <laughs> Um, I just hope that everybody gets a chance. My, my big passion is to ensure that everyone has the opportunity to build creativity into their everyday lives. And um, there's so many ways that we can do that, and everyone is creative. So tapping into that is really, really important to me. Uh, one other way you can catch us is we're starting a, a Sunday Sketches uh, time on Twitter, just hashtag Sunday Sketches. And you'll be able to see we're just prompt, different prompt every Sunday morning, thinking like a lazy Sunday. Sunday sketch and you can post your your pictures is one very simple way you can embed creativity into your Sunday. Wow, what a, what a great idea. Love it. Idea flood on Saturday with uh, Carrie, and then here we go. Sketch Sunday. I think I think I might have to join in on this, too, though I better be careful when I go to church because my pastor will be like, what are you doing? <laughs> though I do know people do sketch notes in church. So I sketch note sermons. I sketch note my Sunday sermons, so that could be one of your Sunday sketches. <laughs> yeah, see, everybody, like, sketch notes are everywhere. Well, thank you so much, Rachel, and uh, we'll be sure I'll leave a little part here in the show description later on after we uh, get done here. Also, the dub, if you are here at IdeaCon here, definitely come out and check out the sketch note uh, passport. I think I'm going to go get sketchy. I see a color with my name on it over there. So thank you so much, Rachel. Thank you so much, Ryan. Hi, everybody, and welcome back here after our little interview here. Um, sitting out here actually outside the Coffee and Kenobi podcast I was on yesterday. It was a fantastic time here. I'm actually sitting right over here by a private educator. Could you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Cynthia, the author of Spark Change, Make Your Mark on the Digital World, with my daughter Liv Van Leggie, who is also known as Liv Bits. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what Spark Change is about? Spark Change is a book that we hope inspires people to use tech with their with kids and their passions, but we also hope it inspires kids and teachers to work together to have social media platforms as a powerful platform for student voice. And I think that's really important. Like, I'm a Flipgrid teacher, and I definitely do... Uh, uh, a lot of pieces in there. My, uh, my co-worker over here, Kathy, here, as we can see, and you heard your, everybody last night. We'll hear her a little later towards the end of the podcast about using social media. What are some of the, what do you think are some of the pitfalls people fall into with the uh, social media? I think the biggest one is oftentimes when we talk about social media with kids, we focus on the fear factor. And really, our book, Spock Change, is about using kids as digital leaders and really following their lead, teaching explicitly uh, the behaviors on social media that help amplify digital good. And so I think the biggest pitfall is that most people have a mindset that there's that 
is based in fear. And Liv and I really hope to work with teachers and administrators around showing examples of kids who are using social media platforms for digital good. I think that's really important to learn, too, and everything. Now, and this is really interesting because you guys are about to be on a podcast really, really soon here. So where do you see, actually, that's my latest question here, is, like, what, what do you think with the social media, with podcasts? And, like, how do you think they are, like, both together but yet separate entities? So I think um, podcasting is an awesome way to get student voice out there and for teachers to amplify student work. And I think social media platforms are just a vehicle for making that happen. Very important thing. Well, I'm going to let these guys go because they're about to be on the Coffee and Kenobi podcast, which I was on yesterday. Guys, if you have not subscribed to that podcast, I would highly recommend doing it besides my own here. Um, Liv, where can we find you uh, outside of uh, us here in social media world? So we really hope you follow us at um, livebits.com, and we really hope you check out our book, Spark Change, Making Your Mark in a Digital World. Thanks so much for having me. Having me. And thank you for so much for being with us. Well, hello, everybody. We're back here. I'm actually here with uh, Megan here. Megan, why don't you give us a little bit of talk here who you are? Sure. My name is Megan Hikulski. I'm the STEAM Lab Coordinator with S.E. Gross Middle School, uh, Brookfield, LaGrange Park, District 95 in Brookfield, Illinois. See, and you're a STEAM teacher. You're talking my language. I'm business and tech, but I'm a big STEAM and STEM guy, and I've been trying to learn a way to incorporate my business. So um, what, what are some ways you use STEAM in a classroom? Now, it's a really good thing because you're a middle school, so you got to look at middle school, high school level because they have to transfer into high school. So how do you actually bring STEAM or STEM or even STREAM, which is R for reading, into the classroom? It's a good question. So we actually, um, we just underwent a huge construction project in our district. So we were able to build out a brand new steam lab, dual-sided, clean side with seven 3D printers and a laser cutter, and then a full dirty side with wood shop. Anything you could think of is there. We've partnered with um, Tinkerworks, who's actually here as an exhibitor at IdeaCon, and they have provided some kind of kickoff curriculum just so that we could get everything going. So we do uh, an interactive art project and then a robotics project and the kids build everything from scratch. I mean we're, we're building the chassis for our robots in-house on our laser cutter. Uh, we use a lot of Arduino hardware and that software. Um, lots of coding, lots of creativity. It's been, it's been great so far. And, and this is a good question because you were talking about Arduino. I know Raspberry Pi is I could actually run the Target and get the new Raspberry Pi. And I've, I used to use Tink, uh, Tickle a lot, in which use Arduino Bean. So here's a question. What, what, what do you say? Let's say, you're a, um, let's say you're an English teacher. How could you use Steam in English? Oh, man. So many ways. Um, I, I always recommend starting with Scratch. When I, I taught science for six years before I transitioned into this role, and that's how I started was I had a colleague introduce me to Scratch, and, and just through that, I mean, the storytelling alone that you can do with that, there's your English connection. Um, but it introduced that block-based coding that truly anybody can do. Um, so that's where I would recommend anybody start. Also, Tinkercad, that's an, a huge one oh, that we talked about in our session here yesterday, is that um, you know, any grade level, any, any content area, I introduced that to every teacher in our district um, just a couple of months ago, and it was phenomenal. Yeah, and I, I have a merge cube, so I want to do some of the 3D printing, use that 3D piece on the merge cube. So, you know, I'm looking at more of the AR, VR. So, wow, really good. Was there any session that jumped out at you today here? Uh, actually, speaking of AR, VR, I was just in the AR, VR breakout with Jamie Donnelly, and it was unbelievable. It was awesome. So that is one thing that I don't have a lot of experience with, and I'm looking to incorporate a little bit more of that. So it was fantastic. Yeah, and I, I sadly missed that. I was in a session, and then we had a little situation we had to take care of, and I missed that. Oh, well, thank you. 
you can't win them all. So, but I'll be playing with our toys a little later here. The, we're actually waiting for the exhibit to open here in about a half an hour, so we'll do that. All right. Um, and if anybody want to con- connect with you, Megan, is there anywhere they can get a hold of you? Yeah, they can find me on Twitter at Megan underscore Hikulski. Um, all my other contact information is there. All right. Cool. Thank you so much for being on the Pixel Pass, guys. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Well, those were our little pieces here from the uh, day two of IdeaCon. So, you know, me and uh, Kathy are back here. Hello. <laughs> so, you know, we're doing our, our end of the end of the day of day two. So uh, something I'll go first here. So, yeah, I went through a lot of sessions today. Um, some great ones here. I got to actually sit in with uh, Maria, Maria Smith. Um, I actually had followed her on Twitter quite a while, but she was talking about K through t- uh, two for learning and technology and adaption. And it was fantastic. But it was so funny because I walked in the room. She didn't know who I was until I told her who I was. And she like, you made the app dice. I use your app dice all the time. So it's, it's kind of nice to see something like that happen. But enough of me tweeting my own creativity from six years ago. Yeah, Kathy knows I do this all the time. Um, but yeah, something I, I have to say is a lot of the sessions I went through, I went to a lot of um, talk about professional development. Yesterday was all about AR, VR, and technology and how I could adapt it or integrate it into the classroom and looking for curriculum. There's a book I'm going to be buying tomorrow on that. But today was about professional development and something a lot of them just told me was about progress, which is what Kathy and I are going to talk about today. But really about progress, and it's very interesting about how many districts were kind of stuck and it was going progress and I'm not talking about oh I've been teaching this way for 20 years I'm not going to change now but what it was for those little visions and those ideas through their districts that allowed them to start progressing and a lot of ones I went to um, one that I went to today with Anna uh, Kalerks which is about instructional coaching which was fantastic by the way so definitely follow her I'll leave a link here and I'll uh, tag her to the uh, Twitter feed on this but she really talked about creating those relationships and she said her best is sometimes you have to create a meet together. So sometimes it's like, oh, you don't have class this time. I'm just going to walk by your room and we're going to talk. Or, oh, they emailed me about something. You know what? I don't want to go to the email because she did business herself. She just went to the room and faced it head on. So she created those shifts to work on that progress, which I thought was fantastic about it and our own and our own uh, superintendent PJ Capozzi was talking about time management because a lot of people always talk about not having the time and if you went to his session he talked about ways you can create time management um, especially I mean he has a family a lot of us have families and people say well I have a family at home I can't do this kind of stuff and he shows it's like well what's priority to you versus what's not a priority to you and I think he found a great way to do that uh, what about you Kathy well when I one of the sessions I went to yesterday well actually two of them talked a lot about progression in a different way they talked about progression um, as far as grading and as I sat there and listened to them they did a lot of talk on about how most of the time we spend time grading the final product rather than looking at the steps that it took the kids to get there and today when I went to the sessions um, I heard some of this reiterated again as well as some great um, computer science information and um, virtual reality information too but the thing that really made me reflect is what, what are we doing in our classrooms to actually look at how the kids are staging their progressions and how do we look at that in a way to grade it meaningfully so that we're just not looking at the end product and giving a grade at the end, but we're watching them get through step by step. You know, How are they progressing? What critical thinking and what kind of analysis are they doing to get from point A to point D? to point C and then to present their final product. 
Yeah, and you know that's really important. I was just listening to the uh, you know the innovation and the uh, innovation in the box by George Corus because he was talking about that progression. We we always look at the final product. Yeah, we're hoping they listen or they're following directions or watching the videos. But really, how do you grade them on progression? Where are those steps? And I think that's something a lot of people worry. I mean, some of the sessions I were, which were about progression, but at the administration level or on the teacher level, and sometimes you know sometimes we don't know when to look at teachers. Like we we talk about Danielson, we talk about Deca, we talk about Unitary. I mean, all these assessments, and some are very, very good. But sometimes it just looks like, well, where's the progression? Sometimes it's like, well, did you master this or you need improvement? Versus like, well, what's been the steps to get there? I know I'm not the same teacher I was a week ago, but I'm definitely not the same one I was six years ago when I was more of the tech facilitator at my previous school and more in the administration role. But I think if they saw me where I am now compared to where I, I have been, I think they would see with the progression, but at the same time as they were there to see it. And I think the question is, Kathy, you know, wh what are we going to do about doing that progression measurement? And I think, yeah, and I think it's from both ends. We're talking about when we're talking about professional development, um, or we're talking about evaluations of teachers. How are they progressing? What? Are, how is that being documented? But also. I would turn it back on us teachers as well. How are we documenting that progression? And I think the progression is is so important because it really shows us how the kids are thinking, how they're analyzing. And I think the, the people here that we're talking about that, um, especially STEAM University brought oh, yes, that out yes. a lot, but how do we grade that? And I know last night we talked a little bit about, well, you know, when they're working on their nonstop animation projects, we could grade them on progression, on how they're moving from step A to step B. And then we talked about ways that, how would we have them document that? And then you came up with an idea of, well, we could have them document it in, in Google Slides. Right. And then I thought, well, we could have them take screenshots of their progression as they go through. So we're trying to articulate right now how we are thinking about looking at that progression element. And so I guess as teachers, I am not sure how we look at it as teachers. How do, they, how do we be measured by progression? I think that's really important. I mean, you, we, you know, we talked about that. I heard one today where they had an open Google form where the, the, the students made their own. And based off basically, if you've ever seen um, TED Talks, uh, Dr. Rishan, he talks about doing microblogging with Google forms. They make their own and they just type it and it's right there in the spreadsheet. And they turn that into Google Classroom or share it with him. And that way he sees their progression. It's almost like microblogging. It's blogging, but it's showing the progression. And he's able to grade those check points. I mean, you talked about STEAM University. I talked to them last year about this. And it is. It's I think it's the progression i mean how is it for teachers you know we talk about the pd and let's face it, a lot of pd and all out of schools they either get it right or they got it wrong and they're somewhere in the middle i mean if not hey i wrote a dissertation on this honestly go look it up on proquest in a couple weeks you'll you'll see it there but yeah i mean even too i mean i have to look at my progression and there's ways i try to do it but sometimes you know i do want somebody to say like oh, why didn't you why did you drop that why don't you keep that i mean even i'm writing i can bring this back to my dissertation i dropped the whole part off and they looked at me like why did you get rid of that and i said well you said i don't need that and they later said oh we did told that but they showed the progression and i had to go back to like i think like an eighth draft to find this little piece put it back in it took me two minutes to update it and they were like oh there it is now it's good i'm like why did you make me go rid of it sometimes we forget the progression and yeah. sometimes we just aren't sure how to grade it but i think that's a big heart i mean there are a lot of educators superintendents principals and i should know because after we got done last episode i was listening to six podcasts because you know i don't sleep at night and um they were just talking about progression so i think the word this year is really progression i mean going forward i mean i i have a lot of ideas but kathy you have any ideas where we could go with that 
No, I just, when I look back at my own teaching career, I, just here at Stillman, this is my 14th year, I look at where I started to where I'm at right now, and there's no way in my mind 14 years ago I would have ever envisioned me teaching the way I'm teaching now with a blended classroom um, and lots of projects and going around and talking with the kids and working with them one-on-one -on -one rather than just lecturing the whole time. I would have never envisioned that. Um, but that's my progression and I've, I see it. But if you have not walked with me through those 14 years, you're not going to see it. You know, you're only going to see where I st where you started with me. So you miss that. And I think it's important that as we get evaluated, that that progression gets documented so it moves with us um, as you have change in, in administration because that happens. Yeah, it does. Um, the other thing too is I stop and think about how I was trained in business, mm. and in business we are trained to look at the final product. So. I've been teaching for you know these 14 years at Stillman, always looking at the final product because of my business background. And I think that's also a teaching background. But now I'm starting to seriously question that. And you know, it might have been brought up to us before yeah. about progression, and it's just fallen on my deaf ears because I was not ready to hear it yet. But now I hear it really clear here at this conference. And so now I'm, I'm throwing it out at you too. It's like, what do we do with this? You know, yeah. we, our eyes have been opened. We see that the progression is really what's important in education. So how do we move that into our curriculum? How do we move it into our grading policies? And that and that's actually a good point because you know I think of me too. You know, I had to learn the lecture. I started getting away with the more I did about because, like I said, when I came to Kathy, she had these videos and we we've adapted more. You know, things like Edpuzzle and Google Classroom. I mean, Kathy knew didn't know Google Classroom until I came on. That you know, she br brought me back to Edpuzzle. I said, oh, I remember this from years ago. Wow, how it's changed and it changed for that blended. But sometimes I always I, I said this too, and I'm the biggest stickler of this. I said myself is like you know you got to enjoy the process to get the final product. But then I didn't think about it. like you know what all those times I told kids, administrators, teachers, myself, my own family, it's in the process. And then all of a sudden I looked at myself like, but did I really evaluate that process? I mean, I came more productive, but really I didn't look at the process. You know, and I think that's, I think that's something we all have to think about, especially that that's my question I'm going to throw out here on my pocket. I know I'm not George Chorus here, but I'm just saying, um, you know, I think that's a good question. I know D uh, Dave Sumido even talked about this on one of his episodes on the last thing learning, but he said, you know, where do we look at the progress? You know, what is that year's goal? I mean, it's culture. It's definitely culture, but at the same time, what, you know, how are we measuring the progress of not only ourselves, but our students? And even at that point, how are we measuring that as a district or even a school? I mean, not all of us are, you know, 18,000 students. Some of us are lucky for 40 student bodies, K through two. So it's like, what is that progress? And I think that's a question we really got to think about here. Well, you know, when, when I stop and think about how I've looked at progress in the classroom, and this is, just to be honest, I think it's kind of stupid, but I think I've just looked at uh, the progress as, are they getting the work done? Right. That's how I translated progress. And I feel really silly now after listening to these guys talk on, at STEAM University about how, how silly that is, um, for me, at least from my perspective, because instead of um, just kind of looking at it, seeing if they're getting the work done, I should really be looking at how they are getting the work done and, and, and trying to figure out how you evaluate that and watch their progress and evaluate how they are thinking. I mean, I don't think you can really put a grade on that, but no. you can see that it's to watch for that growth in their thinking 
learning process. So, I mean, I'm going back to keep thinking, how do we grade that progress? Where, you know, is how do we not get caught up in the, the hang up of I'm graded well, they got this far today. So that's progress. Right. That's not what I mean by progress, and I don't think that's what STEAM University meant either. I think they were looking at, you know, how did they develop their ideas? And so to me that's a little different than what I got done today versus do you see development of the idea as they progress through a project? And yeah, and another thing is, if you didn't see me, I was I was in the I was in Sketchnote City where I was doing sketch notes with Rachel, and you know I I talk about you know I've had Carrie Buncombe on here, and I was just talking her downstairs here during the expo. But you know that's one thing I had to think about sketch notes. That's a grand example of really seeing the progress and able to you know. And she says stuff she doesn't grade at all because sometimes people just gotta go as they go. But I think that's an interesting. That, that, I think it's a good way we all have to look at. We've talked about sketch notes a lot more, and it's kind of you know I can't call it the buzzword. It's more common now in classrooms from digital to pa pen and paper to pencil and paper to gel markers that my kids like to take for me when I'm not looking, you know. It's just uh, my own son too. But uh, anyhow, I digress. But my biggest thing is I, I think that's I think that's where we need to start looking. Like how, do, you know, you, you, you look at that progression, you measure it there, and I think that's a good way to start. If you look at sketch notes or I can say even throw, look at the basic of a presentation. What is the progress just to have that first slide done? What's, I mean, introduction slides like for everybody was here at idea and our conferences is you have the name of your session. You have a, you know, a QR code or a bitly or a small URL that takes you to their resource page. So you can follow along their name, their social media handle. Okay. But what was the process? Why did you want it here? I mean, Easiest way in a business sense is your, your title should be centered, but at the same time, it should be eye-catching the audience to where it blends with the background, but it's not lost. So there's your process. Well, once you got your first slide, you kind of work your way up. But at the same time, is there's another example right there as a, as a teacher. It's just how do you measure that progress? And, and I think you're, you're talking about two different things here. You're talking about, okay, they got so many slides done. They got what was appropriate. They got their title slide. They got the next slide that they needed. So now you're looking at this is what's appropriate for a slide presentation. But then you have to stop and think, okay, but as they build those slides, how are they developing their big idea? Are you seeing a progression in that idea? Is it expanding? And I think that's what keeps pondering in my mind as we look at these nonstop animations that they're doing um, how where are their big ideas and how are they developing them and I think that's important for us to acknowledge because when they see um, the importance of progression then it's going to it's going to turn on them where they're going to have to realize they have to get better. They have to make something more functional, something um, deeper, you know. And so if they finish too early, like when these guys talked about in STEM University, if they finish too early, then you turn around and say, how do you make it better? Right. So now you're taking them into that next step of development. So And then now you're looking at progression again. And so there is those slide pro progression process where you need to have certain things as you work through your slides, but then there's also looking at the big idea and how they're developing that. Yeah, and I think that's where we got to. And I, I'm actually looking forward to our sessions tomorrow. We're going to be looking at like HyperDrawings, which is HyperDocs and Google Drawings. We're going to look at some other tools, which, believe it or not, work on progression and final products. So I, I, I think we definitely, Kath, I think we brought up a great thing. I mean, I, seriously, we can make a whole episode about progression right here. And I know Chave and Pav on the on the uh, Staff Room podcast probably get jealous of us at that point. <laughs> but um, I, I, I love you too. You know I do. Um, anyhow, but um, yeah, I think we're going to have to take that. But um, I think final thoughts is this, this, you know, one thing about ideas, especially 
second day. This gave us a lot to think about. I have to say, progression was definitely not anywhere in my head, and yet that's where I've seen all the sessions. I've looked at. I was looking more at the, the the instructional coach and some of the you know making the culture and the things. You know, I went to the punk rock one. I did volunteering today. I went to all that. So it's really interesting this question. So you know, I I want to throw it out right there, really, guys. If you can go to a conference of any kind, and you know, if you're in the Illinois one, Schomburg, I talked to Doctor Capozzi. It's one of the happening places is Schomburg outside Chicago. You, I think it, you up to yourself, you need to go to a conference or an ed camp or something that is not the normal staff room meetings, not the normal, hey, we're going to learn how to use Google Forms advanced feature, but actually go out and step out of that. I mean, not step out of your comfort zone, but just kind of step into a bigger world. And I think that's where we got to go, at least I think going into tomorrow, maybe with day three. And, you know, and I agree, I agree, too. I think as teachers, we're challenged to improve upon ourselves for the benefit of our, our, our kids that we teach. And I, I challenge um, teachers and administrators to take that step. And I think sometimes you do step out of that comfort zone. I know that I have and I've been challenged. You have challenged me to step out. I know Megas has challenged me to step out of those comfort zones. And it's not always easy to do. But I also have to admit, if you t- in order to step out of those comfort zones, you have to be willing to take that risk. And last, one of the last things I've learned, too, is that try something new. You know, no matter what it is, just try one thing that you walk away from the conference on. And if it's technology or a new software, don't be afraid to implement it because, you know, the kids, you know, I think about when I first started using Scratch. It's like the kids were really great at helping solve their own problems. And because I had, you know, three or four classes that were working in Scratch, I got to see all their solutions. So I learned a lot about how to work in Scratch and how to debug programs just by watching the kids do it because I saw it repeated over and over again. Right. And sometimes it is like one of my biggest ones here was, you know, I, we had a presenter talking about Buncee and I remember first year when I was at Stillman, you know, hard to believe almost three years ago, but I remember they were going through the Buncee. They were, they were, I hadn't played with it as much and I loved the program for multimedia. And I just see, and in one of our former students, uh, was out there but i just remember her going back and forth she she learned to be a better presenter she always was a great presenter she was part of fbla and everything but she learned to go through that process thanks to buncey so you know that that helped her go out the go out there too so i think right now i think what teachers really knew is look at your students progression look at your own progression and actually look at your school district or your department and really measure that and i think that's kind of what we're going to leave it at this tonight too and we'll uh we'll talk to everybody uh tomorrow on uh day three of the idea conference for the big conclusion though some people tell me well there's really four days i'm like yeah but we're here for three so you know we just do this for three so uh, everybody thank you for listening to the pixel classroom podcast i want to thank rachel megan maria Liv, and cindy and the, of course the coffee for kenobi podcast for really being patient with us too and helping us along these way here and a big shout out to dr pj capozzi for also uh putting his little pieces as well as our middle school teachers that came out today so becky melinda and Allie, thank you so much for being here and to the therapy dogs you're just so cute and we want to see you tomorrow so on that note everybody we'll see you later